preach the word of the Lord. Somebody clap your hands to Jesus right now. Oh, can you lift up your voice right now? We love you, Jesus. Oh, we magnify you, oh God. You alone are worthy to be praised, oh God. Come on, somebody, if it feels good, you ought to lift up your voice a little bit more right now. Hallelujah, we love you, Jesus. We worship you, oh God. We magnify your holy name. You're worthy to be praised. There's no place like the church. Amen. Praise God, no place like the church. I'm thankful for the house of God today. You know, it can, you could be going through anything, but I've got this, this uh, thing in my life where if I can just get to the house of God, no matter how rocky my life is, I'm just glad that I can come to the ark. I'm glad I can come to the house of God. Anybody truly thankful for God's house today? Amen. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 22. While you're turning there, let me say what an honor it is to be here. I don't take it for granted. I'm just glad to be in God's house. Glad to be in this house in particular. What a great work you guys are doing here. And you guys have a great church. Wonderful people. People that love God. It doesn't take long to know that there is a people in this house that truly love God. Amen. Amen. Don't ever take that for granted. Don't ever take it for granted. Give honor to your pastor today and his wife. Anybody thankful for your leadership today? Amen. Amen. What wonderful people. These are our friends, and we are, we are glad to see what God is doing here, the work that God's doing, and all of the things that God's going to do. I believe that God's going to do great things in this house, and half has not been told, and you haven't seen anything yet. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 22. Very familiar passage of scripture. Very familiar story. I, I truly believe tonight that I've come to speak to somebody in this house. You preach sometimes and sometimes you preach to everybody in the house. And sometimes you preach uh, to principalities in the city. Sometimes you can, you can preach to people that aren't even here yet. You can start declaring things in the city for people that never stepped foot in this church. Sometimes you can preach to a handful of people. Tonight, I just want to preach the word of God. I, I feel so strong that God wants to just encourage somebody tonight. Just encourage somebody tonight. Genesis chapter 22, we'll begin reading verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to, unto his young men, Abide ye here uh, with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. 
And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God would provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. They went both of them together. For just a couple moments in this house, I just come to tell somebody and encourage somebody. And I feel to preach to somebody in this house and tell you, don't quit. Don't quit today, saint of God. But just keep on climbing. I want to preach, don't quit. Just keep climbing. If you would, put your Bibles down. Let's pray all over this house. I wonder, can the people of God begin to lift up your voice right now? I wonder, can you cry out to God right now? Go ahead, somebody lift up your voice. Somebody cry out to him. We love you, Jesus. We need you in this house, oh God. God, help us tonight, oh God. Let us connect with your spirit, oh God. Let us connect with what you want to say in this house. God, hide me behind the cross. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Jesus, you're my strength and my redeemer. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands one more time as you're seated in the presence of the Lord. Feel to kind of get in the vein of where we were Sunday, but I believe, I believe God wants to speak to somebody today. 400 years after the flood, God called a man by the name of Abraham to become the father of many nations. He tells him in chapter 12 to get out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And this difficult command of separation is the initial statement from God to Abraham. He tells him, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. No details on where. God's initial motive was one of separation. And if I could just stop for just a minute and tell you that we serve a God that is a God of separation he wants to separate you from your Adamic nature and God wants to separate you from everything that you've ever known you see you were born in sin and shaping in iniquity and in this state you won't be able to engage the promises and the plan of God and so God wants to separate his people. He's calling Abraham to come out. He said, I want you to come out from your kindred. I want you to come out from your father's house. And I want you to come out from your country. He's telling Abraham, you've got to push up against everything that you know. You've got to push up against all the people that you are around. You've got to get away from the place that you've always been. And I just come to tell somebody today that God wants you to separate. And this separation, he wants you to understand tether from or push away from everything that's ever been trying to push us away and so when we come to God oftentimes he wants to start to bring us out of what we used to be I know what it is to be lost and be out in the world and have a family that's lost and out in the world but I thank God that when we came to the house of God God said I'm going to separate you from everything that you've known I'm going to separate you my God my God you see God wants to bring us out 
so that he can take us in. And so he has to separate us. I remember coming into the house of God and God started to separate us from our family dysfunction. He started to get us away from all of the calamity and everything that was going on in our family and all of the history of our family. I just come to tell somebody that God is bigger than where you are right now. And God is bigger than your last name. And God is bigger than the family that you come out of. God wants you to come out and be separate today. So he's telling Abraham, he said, First thing that I want you to do, Abraham, uh, is I want you to begin to separate because I've got to get you away from everything that you've known so that you can be able to engage the promise of God. He said, Abraham, you don't understand. I'm about to do something so big in your life that you won't be able to comprehend in your current state. Hear me, somebody in the house right now, that God wants to do something so big in this church that he's got to separate us from small thinking. He's got to separate us from how it used to be. He's got to separate us and show us that I've got more for you. I've got greater for you. I've got a destiny for you. So he tells Abraham, come out, come out, come out. You've got you've to separate from your family and from the country that you, you're from. And so I want to show you some things. And in one place, I think I talked about it Sunday, he said, Abraham, come out of your tent. He says, Abraham, you got to come out of your tent. You got to get all the things that are above your head so that you can. He said, I want you to count the stars if you can count them. And so in order to count the stars, you got to get the stuff from above your head, the place where you thought you were always going to go and stop. God said, when you take a step out of the house, then you're going to be able to see the plan that I have for you. I'm telling somebody that you got to start getting a vision and you got to start looking towards the stars and say, God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what do you want to do in my church? God, what do you want to do in my city? So Abraham, come out of your tent. Let me show you the promise that I have for you. And this promise right now, I know it's a difficult thing to comprehend and understand, but this promise is so big that i got to pull you out so that you can see it. I come to preach to somebody today that you just got to come out of how it used to be and your old ways and how your family was and where you grew up and all of those things so that you can engage the promise and the plan of God. Abraham, I want to bless you and through you all the, the families of the earth Earth are going to be blessed but you've just got to believe Abraham and you've got to come out and so that I can show you what I want to do in your life praise God so he gives Abraham he's trying to give him a renewed mind and a different understanding so he can stop thinking how Abraham thinks and start thinking like God thinks he's saying Abraham come out so I can give you a fresh vision let me show you what I want to do it's all about perspective. It's all about how you see it. You gotta, you gotta start to see it the way that God sees it. There is a, there is a, a, a understanding in the Scripture and in living for God that we separate from the way that we think. 
because our thoughts are not his thoughts. The Bible says that his thoughts are above my thoughts and his ways are above my ways. And so in my present reality and in the place that I stand, I can't see the way God sees. But if I could just hook up with the kingdom of God, if I could just come to the house of God, if pastor can just preach the word to me one more time, then I can get a hold of the vision that God has. I know it seems like it's so far out there, but you just got to reach up and grab it today. You got to say, God, if you said it's so, then I believe it's so. Somebody clap your hands right now. He tells them to come out. He tells Abraham, the age of 75 in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he says, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee, and in thee all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so there is a threefold promise. There's financial blessing, there's physical blessing, and there's spiritual blessing. And there are promises to Abraham. He tells him, he says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. He tells him that he's going to abundantly bless him and his family. He's going to bless Abraham with children. He said, as many as the stars. He said, you got to count the stars and you got to count the sand of the seashore if you can. And he says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations and make nations and kings out of him. But as we know, there's always something to do. And so Abraham had a part to play in the, in the plan of God. And Abraham and Sarah, his wife, they go and they neglect to command to leave family behind. And he begins to take his nephew Lot. And so they load up all their stuff and they hit the road headed south. And the Bible says that they were very rich in cattle. And in silver and in gold. In fact, Abraham and Lot had so much cattle that the land couldn't even hold them. They couldn't stay together in the land. And so there was strife and there was anger and there was bitterness and disagreement between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. And Abraham, understanding how to solve the conflict, says, Lot, I don't want there to be strife between you and me, my people and your people. He said, I know what we can do. He said, why don't you just separate from me? You choose where you want to go in the land. If you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. But the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Bible says that whatsoever a man sows, that also will he reap. The Bible says that Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere and was like Egypt. And the Bible says that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. The Jordan Valley is like the land of Egypt, and Egypt is a type of the world. It represents a land without God, and he remembers the trip that they took to Egypt. One trip changes the course of his life, and he sees the beauty, but he doesn't see all of the sin, and he doesn't see all of the destruction and all of the calamity. You see, we've got to learn how to be obedient even when it's difficult because the repercussions of disobedience are oftentimes destruction. And there will come a day when God is ready to destroy the place where you chose to dwell. 
And you won't be able to convince your loved ones that the judgment of God is approaching because they have fell in love with Sodom and you escape and your two daughters escape and your wife escapes. But because of the love that she had in her heart, she fails to obey the command not to look back and she's killed and turned into a pillar of salt. And now, now, now Lot has to live a life based on a decision that he made before he could even understand the downline consequences. That's why you got to be careful where you go. That's why we got to be careful what we do. That's why we got to be careful what we love. Young people, you got to be so careful where you tread your foot. You got to stay in the house of God. You got to fall in love with the house of God. You got to fall in love with the things of God. You got to fall in love with the man of God. You got to get back to the house. Got to be careful what you love. Because what you love, your children will love. You got to be careful where you tread your foot. Because you will make some of the biggest decisions of your life oftentimes before you can even comprehend the consequences of those decisions. And these are the effects of one trip to Egypt. On that trip uh, to Egypt, Abraham and Sarah pick up a maidservant. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. A maidservant by the name of Hagar. Because when you go to Egypt... You always bring something back. And Abraham and Sarah, impatient with the plan of God. Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. I know you can't see it, but you got to trust my plan in your old age. I'm going to give you a son, and it seems impossible to them, and they're still childless. And so they take matters into their own hands, and a relationship between Abraham and Hagar produces an Ishmael. And Ishmael, because he is the seed of Abraham, also he's blessed as well. And Ishmael, uh, Ishmael produces Islam, which produces the Arab nations the fiercest enemy of the people of God of Israel in modern times you see you've got to be careful where you go because you will bring something back that will begin to war against the promise of God in your life you got to be so careful where you go and Abraham tries to give God Ishmael as the promised child but God said no I'm not going to accept Ishmael because he was a byproduct of disobedience and God reiterates his plan over and over again Abraham and Sarah the child is going to come from you this is the type of God we serve when we make a mistake, when we mess up, when we make a mess of the plan of God, God comes back and he says, you know what? I know you made a mistake and I know that you messed up, but I got a plan for you. I got a future for you. I got a destiny for you. You got to get back on track. Abraham's made a mistake and he takes matters into his own hands and God comes back and he says, you know what? I'm not even going to acknowledge that plan that you tried to make, but I am going to give you a child, and it's going to come from you and, and Sarah over and over and over again. God kept reminding him of his promise, and Abraham was 75, and Sarah was 65 when they first got word of the promise, and the clock was ticking, and they were well past the age year after year. Abraham and Sarah even laughed at the situation. But God's promises are true. 
Does anybody know that God's promises are true? Does anybody know that God's promises are real? When God says it, you can take it to the bank. We serve a God whose word is forever settled in the heavens. Somebody clap your hands right now. And Abraham and Sarah have the promised child Isaac at 100 and at 90 years old. The child that they prayed for. The child that they waited on, the miracle child was finally here and blessed, happy, and content, and just enjoying life because now we have the miracle child in hand. And all of a sudden, God steps in and tells Abraham some of the worst news that he's ever received. He says, and it came, the Bible says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. He gives him the biggest test of his life after 25 years of waiting because God had delayed his birth, but it's not until you are deprived of something that you truly understand its value. And God asks him for the most precious thing, in his life, you see, there's always going to be a test. Deuteronomy 13 says, The Lord your God proveth you to see if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. God wants to know if you love him, but God wants you to know that you love him. And so we've got to understand and figure out that there will be tests and trials that come into our lives, but God just wants to know, do you love me? Do you care for me? Do you... So Abraham rises up early. He seems like a smart guy. I'm sure he didn't tell his wife where he's going. Yeah, I can imagine telling my wife that I'm, I'm going to go sacrifice. Yeah, right. Go sit down on the couch. He takes Isaac, two of his young men with him. They make their way. The Bible says that it's a three-day journey. And I can't even imagine what was going through the mind of the man Abraham in three days as he made this trek to the mountain that God told him of. I can't even imagine what was going through his mind. God, this is the promised child, the child that we waited on. God, the child, all of these years, 25 years of waiting and years of anticipation. God, waiting for the promise that you told us we were going to have. God, what are you doing? What are you thinking? God, why do I have to do this today? God is good about leaving out some of the details. He tells him to go to one of the mountains that I will tell you of. You see, you don't get to choose your mountain. You don't get to choose your trial. You don't get to choose your test. You don't get to choose which mountain you've got to go to and face in your life. I come to tell somebody that we serve a God that knows exactly what we need. We serve a God that in test and in trial, God knows what we are and God knows what we need. And so if it was up to us, if we're honest, we would choose a small mountain to go to. But when God's in it, he knows what we want. I mean, what we need. And he knows what's going to help us make it to the next level. I come to tell you that sometimes you got to go to the mountain that God tells you of. I know you can't see it and understand what God is doing, but you just got to trust God. 
Joseph, your brothers are going to bow down to you. Because sometimes God shows us the mountaintop without a clear view of the mountain. Your brothers are going to bow down to you. But God leaves out all the details about the pit. And God leaves out all the details about Potiphar's house. And God leaves out all the details about the prison. You see, if God told us all the details, then we wouldn't go or we wouldn't do it. And so you got to walk by faith and not by sight. Joseph, you're going to go to a pit, but you got to endure. I know you've got a dream. You got to go through Potiphar's house, but you got to endure because I've got a dream for you. You're going to sit in a jail cell. I'm preaching to somebody right now that you're in a tough situation, but you just got to endure. God God's got a dream for you. God's got a promise for you. God's got a plan for you. So he gets to the base of the mountain. And he tells the two young men to stay. Because everyone can't go up the mountain with you. Some mountains are meant to be climbed alone. There's some isolation. There's some wilderness moments. There's some moments where it's just you and God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about today? There's a wilderness where you've got to walk through it and you've got to go all by yourself. So we've got to leave the young men down so we can go do what God has called us to do. I'm telling you, when you feel like you're all alone, God is walking with you. God is there with you every step of the way. I know you won't be able to drag everybody with you in the midst of your trial in the midst of your situation. But just remember, there is a God that'll never leave you or forsake you. There is a God that is walking with you. There's a God that's standing with you. There's a God that's going to see you through. Praise God. And he says, me and Isaac are going to worship. He was asked to sacrifice but he sees it as worship. One man said it like this. He said, when suffering finds meaning, it ceases to be suffering. I don't come to church because it's my sacrifice. I come to church because I love him. And this is my worship. This is my reasonable service. I serve a God that's done everything for me. But if he never does another thing for me, then I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to magnify him. I'm still going to exalt his name. You can still find me in the house of God. Abraham and Isaac load up the instruments of sacrifice, the wood, the knife, and the fire. And Isaac knew this process. He understood what was needed. And Isaac said, Dad, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham answered, Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And the Bible says that they make their way up the mountain. You see, everybody wants the mountaintop. But nobody wants to climb. I come to preach about the climb today. We like to preach about the provision of the Lord. And we will before we leave. We like to preach about the ram that is caught in the thicket. And we're going to preach that before we leave. I like to preach it more than anybody in this building. But we've got to understand that in order to preach the provision of the Lord. And in order to preach Jehovah Jireh. There is a mountain that you've got to climb today. Everybody wants the mountain to move. 
And I do believe that we serve a God that can move some mountains. And sometimes that's his, that's his plan. God's just going to move the mountain out of the way. God's going to say mountain be removed and the mountain's going to be removed. But sometimes I come to preach to you on Wednesday night that sometimes we've got to make the climb. Sometimes the mountain is not meant to be moved. Sometimes God wants us to make the climb up the mountain. It's the climb. It's the climb. It's the grudge of climbing up the mountain. It's tough. It's lonely. It's not fun. It's the grind of the process. It's the place where you are on the threshing floor. It's the potter's wheel where God is shaping and forming us. It's the place where we are when we don't know what God is doing in our lives. But God is working on us and God is shaping us. It's the grind of the process. I've come to preach to somebody. I know you've been through some trials. I know you're going through some situations. I know you're going through something right now but you can't quit today you've got to keep on climbing I come to preach hope to somebody I come to preach he tells Abraham go to one of the mountains that I'm going to show you and Abraham gets to the mountain and he's thinking about what he's about to do he's thinking about all the time that he spent waiting for the promise of God He's thinking about what it took to get to this point, to even be able to hold the child Isaac in his hand. He's thinking about, God, this is the promise you said in your word, that this is going to be the promised child. But now you're asking me to do something that is very difficult, God. You want me to just give it back to you. You want me to just sacrifice my son, God. What are you thinking? He's standing at the base of this mountain, and he's looking up, God. This is a task that's going to be difficult. This is a task that I'm probably not going to be able to endure. God, how am I going to make it to the top of the mountain? How am I going to make it to do the thing that you've called me to do? Abraham is standing at the base of the mountain. He's considering all these things in his mind. He's wondering, God, what are you doing? Anybody ever been there before? In a place where God has you, where you don't understand what God's plan is. God, this doesn't make sense, God. It doesn't make sense for you to do it this way. God, if we could just change the story a little bit, then we'll make it a little bit easier, God. If we could just change the circumstance a little bit, then I wouldn't go this route, God. But God knows exactly what we need. Abraham gets on the mountainside. And his son is coming with him. They begin to make their trek up the mountain. He's climbing a mountain that is a difficult mountain to climb. He's making his way up. And we've been here before. Some of us right now, we're at that place where we're doing a daunting task that is very difficult for us to do. But I just come to preach to you today on a Wednesday night. I know it may be simple, but I just got to obey what God told me to say. I just come to tell somebody today, don't you give up. Don't you quit. Don't you give in. I know it's difficult right now. I know the test is tough right now. I know you feel the weight right now, but don't you quit baby you just gotta keep on climbing it's one day after the next day and day by day 
we make progress on the mountainside of God. I come to preach to somebody that I know you'd rather the mountain just be removed. But this mountain God created for you. And this is a mountain that you're going to climb. And God's going to give you understanding on the mountainside. And God's going to give you the fortitude to make it another day. And God's going to let you know that if you just keep on climbing, I'm going to be with you, helping you every step of the way. I know you feel like you're all alone on the mountainside of God and you feel like you may fall down but there's a hand that's underneath that's undergirding you right now that's helping you make it to the next vista. It's the grudge of the climb. Love to preach Jehovah Jireh and God will provide. The provision of the Lord is going to be there. But God just wants to know, saint of God, while you're on the mountainside of God, can you endure to the end? Can you make it another day? Can you find a place on the mountain where you gain a little bit of strength and you say, God, I don't know what you're doing in my situation right now, but God, I'm just going to keep on climbing. I'm not going to quit, God. Everything in my spirit is telling me to give up and everything in my spirit is telling me to abort the process, but I'm just going to keep on climbing today. I'm going to get a determination in my spirit that I'm going to take another step. I'm going to take another step and I'm going to keep climbing today. Here's the misconception. The misconception of climbing is that all the good stuff is on the top. Can I preach to you today, ARC, that that's not true? We're trying to make it to the top, but that's not where all the good stuff's at. One man said it like this. He said, you take an occasional glance at the vista, I mean, at the top of the mountain or at the peak or at the summit of the mountain. He said, you always keep your eye going towards the top of that mountain. He said, but don't you dare. I want somebody to hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. He said, don't you dare miss all of the views at each vantage point. What am I preaching to you today? I'm telling you that you got to learn how to praise God right where you are. You got to learn how to thank God on a Wednesday night that people are coming into the house of God. I know the building's not full today, but you got to thank God for the people that have come tonight. You got to thank God for another day. You got to look out and say, thank you, God. He said, don't you dare miss the views at each vantage point. And what he's saying is there are some things that you're going to be able to see on the mountainside in each particular spot of where you are in your progression in the kingdom of God. I've come to tell somebody that wherever you are in the house of God, I know you may go be going through a trial. I know you may go be going through a situation, but why don't you wake up and thank God. Thank God for breath in your body. Thank God that you have another day to make it right with him. Thank God that you've got an opportunity. Thank God that you found the church of the living God your situation starts looking a little bit different when you start thanking God for where you are right now I remember being a young boy living in a broken situation not having a lot not having a lot of money we were broke we 
didn't have anything. I was a little boy, and we were living in the, the worst part of town, and my parents didn't have much, and they were trying to do the best that they could. And my mom, she was a praying woman, and I'll never forget my mom would, would take us, and she would, she would throw us in that beat-up car that we had. I'll never forget it. I can see it and smell it right now. I remember her throwing me and my two brothers in that car, and it wasn't worth much, and the tires were messed up and we would slide when it started to rain and it was a rough place but I remember mama used to put us in that car and she would turn on some gospel music and when she would turn on that gospel music and she start praying and singing praises to the Lord and at the time I didn't understand how can you praise God in a mess like this how can you praise God in situations like these how can you praise God when you don't have money in your pocket how can you praise God when you got bills due and you ain't got the money to pay it I come to tell somebody that mama was teaching a little boy that you gotta learn how to praise God in the midst of your trial you gotta learn how to praise Praise God in the midst of your mess. You got to learn how to praise God in the midst of the trouble. What was she doing? She was looking out on her mountain and she was desperately trying to hold on and she would say things like when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me when I think of the goodness of Jesus and how he set me free it makes me want to shout it makes me want to dance it makes me want to raise my voice it makes me want to give praise to my king she learned how to praise God where she was at she learned how to take in the blessings of God at each vantage point. I tell you today, right now, where you are as a church, where you are as a people is a beautiful thing. God is doing a great thing. Like we talked about Sunday, you're doing a great work. God's helping you through, but you got to praise him right now. You got to thank him right now. I like what my brother said in announcements. I feel joy in my spirit. He said, I love my church. You got to get to a place where wherever we are I love this place there's no greater place than the house of God so you look out and when you look out in the middle of the trial it gives you fuel for the journey you may feel depleted you're just hanging on you're just holding on. You're saying, God, I just, I'm just trying to make it another day. And then you begin to look out and you thank God. Thank you, Jesus, that I made it in the house of God. I was on my way to a devil's hell, but God stepped in right on time. And I'm going to look out again. I'm going to see and thank God for another sunrise. I'm going to see and thank God for another day, another blessing, another moment to live today. Every single day, it's going to be difficult. I'm not here to tell you that this is an easy walk, but I come to tell you that if you endure to the end, the Bible says the same shall be saved. The Bible says don't get weary in well-doing, but you will reap if, if you faint not. I just come to encourage somebody that's on the mountainside right now. I come to tell you that you can make it, that God's going to help you get there, that you've come too far for God to leave you now. You've come too far for God to give up on you now. God's...
Can I tell somebody that God's got too much invested in you for him to just leave you on the mountainside? But there is a God that stands behind you. And there is a God that's holding his hand out at the top of the mountain. And he's saying, come on, baby, just make it another step. You got to make the climb. He's saying, I got something for you when you get to the top. There's provision at the top of the mountain. There's a miracle at the top of the mountain. I want to show you what I want to do when you get to the top of the mountain. But you got to keep on climbing today. Can I tell you that? There's somebody right now. They may not even know it. But they are depending on you not to give up. There's somebody out there right now telling you. There's somebody right now. They have no idea who you are. They have no idea about this church. But there's somebody right now that's just crying out for a God. And God just needs somebody to say, I'm not going to give up today. But I'm going to make the climb. Because somebody's depending on me. Somebody's waiting on me on the other side. If I just keep my head up and if I could just keep on climbing, God's going to bring them to the house of God. We never get to see Jehovah Jireh. The Bible says that they make their way to the mountaintop. And we know the story. They get to the top of the mountain. They set up the wood for the, for the burnt offering. And he lays Abraham down, I mean Isaac down as the sacrifice. And you got to understand, people think that Isaac was a little boy, but Isaac, some scholars would say that he was between 18 and 20, yeah. 22 years old or somewhere around there. And so this is a full grown man. And we love to talk about the faith of Abraham, but what about the faith of Isaac? Yeah. Yeah. Isaac is as much a part of this process as Abraham is. Because I just got to play the part of the sacrifice. But Abraham, he had something in his spirit. And by and by, he started to build something in his spirit where he understood. Uh, what are we going to do, Dad? Who's going to, wow, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says these words. He says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Abraham got an understanding along the way while he was waiting 25 years, while he was going through that mountain, that when I get to this mountain, there is a God. God that is going to provide a sacrifice. This is the promised child, and God's going to work it out. God's going to work it out. And Isaac's laying down. Bible says that an angel cries out from heaven. He says, Abraham. He says, here am I. He says, don't kill him. And he said, the Bible says behind him was a ram that was caught in the thicket. He names the place Jehovah Jireh. God provides. But here's what I'm trying to get you to understand today. That we never see the provision of God. And we never experience the ram caught in the thicket if we don't make the climb. Here's the way I see it in my mind. God can make that animal appear. God can do anything. But the way I see it in my mind, I could be wrong. But I see Abraham as he's being obedient to God. 
as he works for God, doing the thing that God told him to do, I see him on the mountainside struggling up the other side of the mountain. But the thing about the mountain that we don't see is we don't get to see the other side of the mountain where God is sending the ram that's going to get caught in the thicket. I'm telling you that as you're on the mountainside right now and as you're doing the work of God and as you feel like you're going through a tough time right now, you just got to keep on climbing. God's got a ram that's going to be caught in the thicket and you will see it today. You'll see it, but you just got to keep on. You just got to endure to the end. You can't quit today. Saint of God, somebody clap your hands right now. Praise God. I'm almost done preaching as they come to the music. But it's the climb. It's the climb. But we build character. It's the climb. It's the adversity that Pastor was talking about on Sunday. When you're having that resistance that comes up against you, these things are making us stronger. And it's going to give us everything that we need in order to stand in the place that God is calling us to. And so don't get weary in well-doing, but just keep on climbing. Take one step after another. Climb up on another rock and say, God, I'll hang out here until you give me a little more strength. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to quit today. Mountains are meant to be conquered. There's a testimony of the mountain. As you struggle up the hill, and as you struggle to make the climb, there's going to be somebody that walks in those doors right there that's going to be facing the same mountain that you're facing right now. And if you make the climb, you're going to be able to let them know, I made it over. You can make it over too. That's going to be a testimony that rises up from the innermost depths of your being. Because this is a test that you're never going to forget. And when you get through it, I'm telling somebody, we overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. And you're going to be able to tell somebody else, I was on my way to a devil's hell, but God stepped in right on time. I was going through a trial and a situation, but if I can make it out, then you can make it out too. Does anybody believe what I'm preaching today? Does anybody? I didn't know what I'm talking about today. I'm closing right now. There's another parallel in the word of God that we can't escape in talking about this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. The Bible says, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. There's a clear parallel. Abraham's only begotten son and Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the father. And there was a mountain that Christ had to climb. The Bible says that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. A mountain that he had been thinking about before the foundation of the world. Before we ever sinned. God had a remedy. God had an image of a man on a hill, on a cross. So Christ looked down to find a man that can stand in the gap and die for the sins of the world. But he couldn't find one 
So the Almighty uh, manifests himself in flesh and lived this life as a sinless man. And he found himself in a garden called Gethsemane. And at Gethsemane, he's looking at the metaphorical cup has the sins of the world. And he says, if it be, if it be so, let this cup pass from me. And then in that moment, I believe he remembered the mountain. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Peter came over and the soldiers begin to take Jesus. And they begin to seize him and Peter comes over and he grabs out a knife and he cuts off the ear of the, of the, of the soldier Malchus and he cuts off his ear and Jesus, he said, Peter, hold your peace. He takes the ear and he puts it back on the man. He says, Peter, you don't understand. There's a mountain that I've got to climb. They seize him and he goes to the hall. He goes to see Pilate and they try to get him to speak for himself. And Herod comes and everybody wants him to talk on his behalf. Are you the king of the Jews? And they ask him all these questions, but he won't speak for himself. Because he's looking deep off towards that mountain. They seize him and they... Take him down the Via Dolorosa, my Savior Jesus. A sinless man that never did anything wrong. And if I'm standing there, I'm saying, don't take Jesus. Don't take Jesus. I'm the one that's at fault. But I believe Jesus will look at me and say, hold your peace. There's a mountain that I've got to climb. And they placed the crown of thorns on his head. And they split open his back with the cat of nine tails. They lead him to a place called Golgotha. My Jesus is finally standing there at the mountain that he'd been to so many times before. And he said, here is the mountain. And here's the thing I love about Jesus. I love that Jesus will never ask me to do something that he wouldn't do. And Jesus puts that cross on his back. He goes to a hill called Calvary. And I thank God that he made the climb. Stretched out his arms and died. And he died for me and he died for you. But I just thank God today. That he didn't quit. But he just kept on climbing. I wonder if somebody under the sound of my voice can hear what I'm preaching today you may be going through a trial you may be going through a situation you may be in a place where you don't understand why God has you there but I just come to preach to somebody and remind you don't you quit ARC don't you give up you gotta keep on climbing these altars are open right now I wonder right now can we come and pray 
Can we come and lift up the name of Jesus? Can you come and tell God, God, I'll endure to the end. God, I'll make it another day. God, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit, but I'm going to keep on climbing day after day. God, you can find me on the mountainside, but I'm not going to quit, God. It may be difficult right now. It may be a situation that you don't understand right now, but I encourage somebody. Don't you quit. You've got to keep climbing. Somebody come and pray right now. Come out somebody come and lift up your voice right now. God is here today. It's not finished. It's not ending. It's only the beginning when God is in it. It's not over. Come on, don't give up today. It's not finished.
clouds You're closer than you think you are You're closer than you've been
Hallelujah. Come on, that's it, church. Let's continue to pray. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost is speaking, and the Holy Ghost is touching people right now. Hallelujah. Right there. Come on, there's some that you've been climbing, and you feel the burn from that climb, and it's starting to... It's starting to cause you to get worn down. I'm praying right now God's going to renew your strength right where you are. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's just have time in the Holy Ghost. Never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. 
never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working never stop never stop working never stop never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working come on somebody pray even the when Ghost. i don't feel it you're working keep climbing you never stop keep climbing you never You're working. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, you feel that in the house of the Lord? I feel it. I feel strength to climb a little higher. How about you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the faith to climb a little bit higher, to go to another level in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank you, Brother Urban, for following the Holy Ghost and preaching to our church, preaching to us. Amen. God, God only knows. Amen. I love, I love the preaching of the Word of God because God only knows when he brings a word like this exactly, amen, when it's needed. Hallelujah. You know, I love what the man of God said. We get so focused on that mountaintop, that peak, that peak moment, because it's great. But, man, thank God for the mountainside. Thank God for the mountainside. I'm a, I haven't had an opportunity to do it as much as I'd like, but hopefully in the next couple of years. I'm an avid hiker. At least I used to be. I'm a, my knees may not work as well. But back in the Northwest, I would hike all these different peaks, and there's one uh, out there in Idaho. It's the most brutal hike I've ever done in my life. But you start climbing up that thing, and you feel such a burn. And there's so many times you just, uh, maybe I should turn around <laughs> and uh, I should quit. But we would come to those vantage points. And I know that I hadn't quite reached the top yet. But it's those vantage points that God gives you. Those little stops on the journey. That when you stop and you take a rest, you eat that, eat that granola bar, that beef jerky, you're feeling better. You look out and you remember why you started climbing in the first place. There's some people that it might very well be that you've let the pain and the trial and the trouble that you've been going through cause you to forget why you started climbing in the first place. We've climbed because we want to see Jesus. We climb because we want to get to everything that God has for us. We climb because God is going to meet us on that mountaintop. Amen. I'm reminded every, every great man of God, if you look through the Bible, it just is interesting to me that God always wanted to meet with them on a mountain. That doesn't mean that God doesn't meet you in the valley. We know he's not only the Lord of the, of the mountains, but he's God of the valleys too. He's the, he's the shepherd that was with you in the valley of the shadow of death. But you watch every great man or every great woman of God, they go up the mountain. In fact, he told Moses, Moses, go up the mountain. He's an old man. But he didn't let that be an excuse. He didn't let his weariness be the excuse. He was still going to go up the mountain. And God said, when you get up this mountain, I'm going to show you some things. You know, when you're in the humdrum of life, you're down here, it's so easy to get in the chaos. But when you get up above the clouds, you can see things a lot clearer. And God says, you, you keep climbing. As the man of God said, don't stop. Keep climbing. There's more. And Moses climbs up this mountain and God says, hey, I know you're tired. I know it's got to a place where... You're a little worn down from all this climbing. But he reminds Abraham a beautiful promise. There is a place by me. Where is this place by him? It's up the mountain that he climbed. In the cleft of the rock. And if you and I will do what the man of God said and continue climbing in faith.
we're going to find ourselves closer to Jesus than we ever have. Would you lift up your hands one more time? We're going to close out in prayer. Thank you, man of God, for preaching to us. God, I pray right now for every individual, for this congregation, Lord, that we would not forget why we started climbing in the first place. God, you called us up higher. You got more for us on the other side. And God, as we do this climb, as we are going about this journey that you have started us on, this great journey, this great climb, God, I pray, Lord, that we would not be weary in well-doing, but, Lord, everywhere on that climb, we would find little places there with you. God, little vantage points, Lord, that would continue to propel us to the next level. Pray for every family. I pray for every marriage. Everyone in this building is climbing up higher. Everyone in this building is doing what these few messages we've heard already. We are defying and we are fighting against the gravitational pull. And God, we are climbing up to another level, Lord. I pray, God, in revival, in prayer, in this church, in every family, in every home, God, I pray, Lord, that we would continue going onward and upward in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Shake hands. Be friends. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Thank you, Brother Irvin, for preaching a word from God to us in Jesus' name. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Amen. Sister Pam is going to be selling some plates for $8. If you want to donate, if you want to go get some, be right out here in the foyer, and you will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come back ready. We got Saturday outreach at 11. If you can come, we're going to be handing out flyers uh, for church as well as flyers for our Harvest Festival. So come expecting and then come ready on Sunday. Bring somebody with you in Jesus' name. God bless